This week's episode of Screen Talk is sponsored by Amazon Studios presenting One Night in Miami. Now nominated for three Golden Globe Awards for Best Director Regina King, Best Supporting Actor Leslie Odom Jr., and Best Original Song, and nominated for two Screen Actors Guild Awards for Outstanding Cast and Outstanding Male Supporting Actor Leslie Odom Jr., streaming on Prime Video. Welcome to Screen Talk, IndieWire's weekly movie podcast. I'm Eric Cohn, the executive editor and chief critic, joined as always by Ann Thompson, our editor at large. And we've had a busy pancake of a week with the Globes, the SAGs, and the end of Sundance in this crazy window of time. We saw it coming, but it's another thing to live through it. I know people probably want to hear about where the hell that Jared Leto nomination came from or whatever, but I think we should start with the weirdness and surprise of a fairly effective Sundance experience. We did last week anticipate that it was going to work, but it was surprising to see just how well it did. And you had a good time. I had a good time. We're both exhausted. It feels about right. Yeah, no, you had to do more reviewing, which is always the thing you have to deal with. I didn't do as many parties. Honestly, you were partying more than me. I partied like crazy from my my condo in Long Island City. (laughs) It was great. You know? I was in so VR. I, I was in the uh, virtual platform. Yeah, it was really fun. And that, but the other thing that, that was great to see was just like everybody seemed responsive to the virtual festival concept. It was a really effective. People watched the movies in those time those time periods. They, the the buyers swarmed in. There was market activity. There was a lot of positivity around the lineup, and it just it just felt like. Sundance moved along in a very familiar kind of way. I think partly because people were ready to to behave that way. You know, they were totally. But what what the what uh, Carrie Putnam and Kim Utani and the others did because uh, Kim came on to our little one of our little Zoom evening chats and sort of talked about this in a cool way. They really put in the time and and, and talked to consultants and and they were figuring out how to duplicate experience so they they really thought it through so that you could go to the waiting room you know and hang out with people uh in the chat there or you could and it was all, every intro at the beginning if you were going to a premiere was live and it was so opening night was exciting coda opening night summer soul opening night in a way they didn't top those two big films for the rest of the festival and those are the probably won. the most they- successful ones they won all the awards and Coda went to but that is Apple to TV. be fair that is often the case that on the first day of yeah. Sundance they duplicated it so there were big yeah. big big bidding war and everything um and 25 million dollars we predicted it would be a record and and, and it was um pretty insane um the question <laughs> I, I have is how long did it take Apple to get there because to me from the biggest company in the world if you want to break a Sundance sales record, you don't really need to get into a bidding war. You could just very easily be like, okay, what was the highest bid for a movie ever at Sundance? Done. You know, 25 mil, we'll put it in a little cushion. Easy. Netflix was so. in there. Um, I think there was a moment where Netflix had to decide were they going to go for broke or were and, and participate in that kind of, of numbers game? Or were they going to, you know, according to Variety, they topped out at 15 million or something. 
Now, I guess the question, let's stay with Coda for a second, because the question with this movie is going to be in the in the past. We've had that issue where a big sale at Sundance, then, you know, bombs in the summertime or whatever. And then a year later, theatrical is is irrelevant here. It's irrelevant to this movie. So what is the twenty five million dollars buying them? Is this an Oscar movie? It's certainly a crowd pleaser. It's uh, it's very accessible. It's a it's It's a little cheesy. Let's put it that way. Not for everybody. I, it I is a bit cheesy in parts. It's not cheesy. It's incredibly emotional and moving. It's a family drama and it's a sincere. I think what you're looking for yeah. is sincere. Because I think some parts is unfair. Well, um, it is mainstream in a certain way, but somebody said, all right, they could have made a studio movie out of it. Yeah. I disagree. A studio movie would have hired hearing actors well, and who that's what them the sign language. This is based on a French movie that did exactly that. Correct. Had actors and was criticized widely for it. So it's, it is, I think, a significant step forward to have a movie. I mean, especially after Sound of Metal, which was, you know, it has been doing very well, but this is more family friendly. It's a very accessible coming of age story. And stuff. so to fit that formula into this kind of representation is a big deal. No question. So you have the family drama, you have a romance, you have the aspirational, is she going to go for what she cares about and step away? I I really related to the, to the, to the really... The other movie that I loved was Try Harder, right? This is the doc that is about kids applying to college from this super high achieving San Francisco school called Lowell, a lot of Asian kids. And this, the, the whole thing about um, leaving for college, leaving your family and identifying who you are is an enormous, significant rite of passage that many, many people can relate to either at the parent end or the child end. Right, and in Dakota, it's this kind of big deal because it's the parents who are basically saying, you can't go to college, we're deaf, you hear, we need you to help with that. They had just grown up as a unit with her, you know, relying on her and the brother wants to take on more responsibility as a deaf person and he will if she leaves. The actress is a great singer. You know, the, the emotion is there in that respect in a really effective way, so. I, I am just very curious about this movie in terms of the life that it will have. I mean, does everybody tune in to Apple and they put it on there because it gets great reviews? I mean, I, I don't I don't know. It's a, it's a very different kind of situation. They can afford that. whatever they want to do is the yeah. point. And yeah. so can Amazon. Um, and we'll see, you know, and so and at this point, so can Netflix. Um, but Netflix has more content than the others and therefore right. they don't need to step up as much. And Netflix obviously also made a significant deal right at the end of the festival for Passing, which was, even though it was shut out of the the awards, which Coda dominated, Passing being this, you know, very evocative black and white movie, very strong debut for Rebecca Hall. Rebecca Hall. Good performances by Tef- Tessa Thompson and... Um, uh, Ruth Nega. Nega, thank you. It, it's, it's one of those things where it's like, they can actually rebuild the buzz around this movie since it didn't become the big winner at Sundance. It was very well received at Sundance. I was surprised it didn't points. get any any awards, but um, very explicit I, I think, rejection of it. By honestly, Netflix will take it to the awards. You can count on them they know to what do they that. Yeah, they they know exactly what to do, and they're very high on it. And I thought Rebecca Hall did a remarkable job directing it. Not only is it unusual looking. Uh, black and white New York period, um, Harlem, uh, incredible costumes, but the sound design was very sophisticated, the way she used music, 
and um, a story that we haven't seen before. And I was quite impressed with it. Yeah, I, think I loved it, it. It's I was my my for some reason my my bar had been lowered. I think there were a few early responses I heard that made me a little unsure about it. But you know, there there was just something about it where I just I wasn't sure how this one was going to play. There are certain movies at Senate where you talk to enough people who get an early look and you're, you're really confident about them. And and this one, I just didn't know. And what I was struck by is, you know, it's not a great movie to to overhype because it's so quiet and, and certainly mannered in a certain way, although the ending is really jarring. But um, it, it draws you in with this kind of intrigue about what is the exact tension between these women women and how it's 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 simmering, which is never really spelled out. It's yeah, a really and, and cool with, sort of them, sub rosa love story going right. on. And honestly, it's like you have one who's sort of passing as white, and the other who is living, you know, as as who she really is. And the question throughout is which one of them is more un, unhappy with the way they choose to express themselves, and the, that dynamic kind of shifts. Well, it's also about the dynamic between men and women. We have two yes, strong too. alpha male husbands who are uh, dealing with their wives in different ways. And Alexander Skarsgård plays yet yeah. again, another asshole. <laughs> he likes playing this apparently. Yeah, there's your supporting actor nominee right there. No, I, I thought it was I notable. That I talked to a few people who said that they had read this story in college or at various other times in their lives. And were, you know, obviously bringing that to the table and saying it was, it was actually surprisingly faithful and, and that it was something that either really worked for them or they felt like was just sort of redoing everything that story did. So I think the conversation around this movie will continue to be really fascinating to look at and see how people pick it apart. But it's, you know, just on the level of craft, I think there, there are certain aspects of it that are impeccable. So that part of it will certainly continue to drive it. When people watch it, they say it's beautiful, whether or not they have, you know, issues with this or that aspect of the tone or, or whatever. So, so that's going to be fascinating to follow. And then, of course, one movie that, as, as we record, still has not sold, but clearly has a lot of offers. Summer of Soul, right? Summer of Soul. The other one that's that also won. going to do very well. Yeah. That, that one could, I mean, if, if there were a theatrical world, that's a movie I would go back to the theaters to see. Yeah, that's with an a movie audience. that gets people back in the theaters. It's I mean, there so were a few good. That like that. You know, there was I a. Sorry, oh, sorry. Oh, no, I was just going to say there were a few movies I saw that were sort of like acquisition titles where I thought a good distributor could buy this movie and time it to as more theaters reopen. Being a reason to go back to theaters was an experimental documentary called Users that, that I thought did that very well, kind of like the Clay Nitzkazi films. But but this one you could still it, see users on a on a on a on a platform. I mean, it, it works as a digital. It is yeah, about it's, digital, but it's uh, mixed in Atmos and stuff. It has. I really like that one. It's a it's a cool movie. I mean, I it, it just felt like it's something that a theatrical experience can do great things for. But Summer of Soul is like going to a party. Like people would right. applaud in the theater after music numbers and stuff. They'd be up on the in their chairs. I mean, I grew up in New York City and I lived on 110th Street um, in Amsterdam and right between Amsterdam and Columbus, kind of on the verge of, of Harlem. Did you know and about this? I didn't. No, I knew about Woodstock. Woodstock, yeah, I was I drove by, but I didn't know about this one. And I would have died to go to it. I was a little young and it would have been a scary thing to do at that time. Um, if I didn't have a, a posse to go with or something, but uh, I wish I'd been there. It, it was it, it was historic and and horrifying that it was hidden. 
from it you was, all this time. In the movie, sort of how everyone kind of quote unquote forgot it. Although I, I did hear one uh, industry person sort of grousing about this idea of saying that this was this forgotten event because the question is forgotten by who? I mean, look at those crowds. Obviously, there were people who remembered it. It was the people who were there and their, you know, future, the, the generations that came after them. It didn't break it. into the wider it, culture yeah. um, in terms of media. And yeah. there was a, and, and Questlove did talk about, how, by the way, one of the fun things at Sundance was going to the after party, which was Questlove himself on he his, uh, the Roots website, uh, spinning and I doing his whole thing. You know, he's it was so much fun. Before. He's, he's it was the heard. coolest music, I, I have to say. It was, it's probably still up on YouTube. You could probably watch it. Um, yeah, so I, I think I think he was saying basically that, that uh, no one was interested um, in it. Yeah, uh, over all the years. I mean, yeah, there, was yeah, no, you know, there were no buyers for it. There was no interest yeah. in supporting it. But I don't know the story behind, you know, sort of how he learned the ropes as a filmmaker or whatever. I do remember when he was involved with Black Power Mixtape a couple of years ago, and I, and I was thinking about that movie a bit in terms of what it did with footage of a Black experience that hadn't been fully contextualized before. But what I liked about this movie is also the way that it laces in the history of New York in general at the time and you know, the relationship between Harlem and New York's mayor, who was a Republican. It was fun to see John Lindsay there, and I was reminded of what a crush I had on him at the time. He, This is back when there were Republican <laughs> liberal mayors. You actually liked those people, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean John John Rockefeller, the governor, or Nelson yeah. Nelson Rockefeller, the governor. He was also liberal. It was hard to believe. Yeah, so it, existed. Yeah, I, I would say, I mean, I would assume that Apple has interest in a movie like this. You think about what they can do with Apple Music integration, but it'll be fascinating to see if Netflix is no. Yes, I'm curious to see how they, this plays out. Absolutely. But of course, there so was those were so so the other the other Oscar one would be Jockey. I don't know if you hmm. saw that one. That's well, the one that Sony Pictures Jockey. Classics. Yeah, I thought it was. Up. Solid, certainly Clifton Collins Jr. is great sort of performance. There. You know, I felt like I'd seen some variations of that kind of sad midlife crisis Western story of sorts. I identified with it too much yeah. because it was about this guy who. Uh, you were is, never a is, jockey, right? No, no. What's interesting about it is that you can relate to it in the sense of any person who needs um, physical stamina and 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 uh, health in order to pursue their profession, whatever it is. And you have to be able to keep going uh, at full strength. And that's what he's facing is that he has to give up something that he loves uh, because he can't do it anymore. And it's it's a it's a it's a it's a uh, also a father son story in a way, which I, I also like I that. thought they had a lot of authenticity in the way that they shot the track. It had a lot of it's it, you're saying it doesn't break any new ground in terms of how it's made. It, it, it's it's a standard issue Sundance independent movie, but I thought it was very well done. Yeah, I think that's sort of the challenge, and I've I've talked about this a bunch over the years. One of the things that I love, but it's also um, complicated about the process of of going to festivals and reacting to all these movies is that you end up having a very heightened sensibility when it comes to, to quality. I mean, I feel it's more it can when I'm sampling a much wider array of international cinema, but it's like every movie really has to prove itself and feel like something I've never seen before. And I kind of felt like I'd seen that before in certain ways. The, the film that I would say is the real awards movie we should be thinking about as an acquisition is Flea. 
Absolutely. And Flea won a lot of awards deservedly uh, as well. Um, it's extraordinary uh, as a documentary and, and as a the piece animated of uh, animated filmmaking. And the use of animation to advance the story is the best I've ever seen. It's and not only that, I mean, what we're talking about here is a refugee telling aspects of his story that uh, reveal illegality that he's never really told before. And so the anonymity that animation provides is part of the storytelling and, and what allows the story to exist in the first place, which I think is amazing. And, um, and it relates in that way to Welcome to Chechnya, which, yes, which exactly. used uh, visual effects to disguise the character, but it wasn't animation per se. This is animation and it's beautifully broad. The other movie that uses animation in a very clever and effective way is Pedro Koss's um, Rebel Hearts, which is about the Immaculate Heart community. And I, I related to it because obviously my daughter went to Immaculate Heart High School. And so I, 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 I was interested, but it could have been, there was a woman who interviewed all the, the um, characters you know, some years ago. And you can imagine what a d dull and boring and awful movie it would have been if Pedro Koss hadn't elevated it to a, a, a great, great degree. Interesting. With music and other things. He, there's one nun who is an artist who created these extraordinary graphic posters and they used her art as the basis of the animation in a way that was very well done. I thought that overall the programming of the festival at 74 features or some such was in some ways a stronger experience from a curatorial standpoint because there was less extra noise. I mean, a lot of times with the the, the rest of those slots would be filled with some bigger ticket items that might be noticeable because of the actors in them that aren't necessarily great movies. They just, you know, kind of bring some extra buzz. And the quality was there. The quality was there. And I didn't see, I saw a couple things that I didn't think were great. Guess what? I ditched them. I just ditched him and went and watched something else. You know, I don't let I, it get around it. You know that to, stuff I is visible. Tell, <laughs> I hate to tell you that when you have a nice badge uh, pass but, like mine, you can do that. And, but you know, but and, you know, they can see more. that. They can see that. It's like it's like if you're walking out and then the filmmaker had a spotlight on you. So that's fine. It's on the record. Maybe they they won't call you out. You should be fine. Maybe they will forgive. I don't think I'm the only one. Uh, honestly, CryptoZoo is my other animated. That was favorite. a fun wild movie. Good stuff. Very different from you my. Could definitely get high and watch that movie. It the movie is a kind of a, a, a high of sorts. So and that was a good pickup for Magnolia. That was the right scale for a film like that. So that that was cool to see as well. So. I don't know. It'll, it'll be great to see what happens now. I, I know you didn't do the virtual Sundance stuff. And yes, I went deep hosting a, a chili party in VR and all that kind of stuff. But the actual platform that Sundance created for people to socialize in was fascinating. Because even just on your browser, you could kind of move around in it and anybody could come up to you and start talking. So I would find myself approached by, you know, somebody who runs a movie theater in Minneapolis or had never been to Sundance before, bought the $25 pass and was watching movies. And, you know, that kind of accessibility seems to have helped nationalize the Sundance brand in a way that they never could before. So I assume that this is still going to be a part of the festival experience when they can have an event in Park City in the future. And I, and I imagine other festivals are looking at this and wondering, how can we duplicate some of this? Not can, which is happening in July, supposedly. 
but they're going to stick. They're going to stick to their guns. Now, what was also interesting was that there was a lot of talk around the movie um, Land, uh, the Robin Wright movie, like it was going to be some kind of Oscar uh, launch, and that didn't happen. Um, but the one that did happen was Judas and the Black Messiah. So that one took off uh, in a good way, and and yielded really some well. Oscar. Uh, I mean, the SAG and Globe nominations for Daniel Kaluuya this week. Should we? segue into that conversation now let's do it because all right been a okay. big one <laughs> <laughs> so the way. clubs were absolutely dotty insane they had cleaned up their act a little bit for a few years and you could sort of count on them being a kind of middle of the road you know here's what's really happening heading into the oscar universe this time on their own in their little bubbles uh whatever was going on they, they went for shh, unbelievable this movie called <laughs> what Music, is that? which is like 29 <laughs> on rotten tomatoes it's 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 you know it's a it's a it's a it, she puts herself in it as a pop star um so starring kate hudson who got nominated <laughs> I, I was really so uh, random i was too much they must and have sent some wondering. serious swag out to hfpa or something because uh that doesn't just happen you know these things there are no are no and and you know i i thought that the late breaking um judas and the black messiah would hurt it but kalia did get in and i thought that uh i was surprised to see jared leto get in for I think the little the things. entire damn universe was surprised to see. But Jared. then he got a SAG nomination too. So folks, that guy could get an he Oscar nomination. nomination. Because SAG means more than the Globes. That. SAG Although, is serious. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. that's real Oscar voters. But I but it was weird. It did suggest that somehow because this movie just dropped on HBO Max, it just benefited. Everybody saw it. Is what it means. That and that's what's good movie. about it. And Netflix, everybody sees the Netflix stuff too, but that doesn't mean Malcolm and Marie got in. And I, you know, Zendaya not happening, <laughs> not so. happening. Seems so. Although neither is Kate Winslet. Yeah, there's a, lot, there's a lot of like immediate sort of not happening things happening here. But there's also a like couple on the rocks, Bill Murray. That's not happening. Yeah, that's over. But there were also some fascinating sort of contrasts between Globes and Sags. Like Globes shut out Spike Lee into Five Bloods. SAG proved well, okay, Delroy, maybe not, but- They didn't give it to Delroy Lindo, which was a big shock. Um, the they went for the more important one is the ensemble and right. it got that. And I actually called the ensemble correctly. Minari got in too, which is really yeah. good. It's very good. Uh, and Stephen Young and the grandmother got in. Yeah, that so, was very significant. That's the that's kind of- a movie good it's, sign it's for not Minari. As, it's not as powerful as say a parasite or something, but it definitely shows you that people are watching it and, and think of it as the well, smaller- It, it moves them. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a so, family drama. So I was very happy to see that. And and also that's a big group, you know? So that, was, that really means a lot for Minari. That gives it a lot of strength. Now, I didn't think Mank would get in to the ensemble because it is in fact, it led the Globes, but it is more significant that it didn't do very well at SAG Awards. And what it didn't yeah. get was Amanda Seyfried. I didn't think it was going to get ensemble because it's kind yeah. of a two-hander, but it I mean, should I have saying, gotten Amanda Seyfried. Of all those sort of races that seemed to be sort of solidifying. I thought her, she her. was in the lead. Yeah, with Maria Bakalova, who seems now like the only surefire front runner outside of maybe Chadwick Boseman. 
I mean, that's no, kind no, of. Bozeman is the front runner. And I think Viola Davis is, is the front runner, too. Yeah, you think, but Bakalova's got it in the bag, right? I mean, who can. She'll, be- she'll get nominated for sure. But how, yeah, who, we, who else could possibly so. be Glenn Close in uh, that? Well, Netflix Hillbilly Elegy did very well. So Close got nominated by both the Globes and SAG. And Amy Sympathy Adams vote? got nominated by SAG. Sympathy so. vote. That must be it. No, yeah. I always but knew Netflix that was a Well, in general. Play. And also Netflix, I mean, you, the one thing that Netflix is, it, it has clearly sort of found its way in is keeping movies in the conversation despite some stops and starts. And Mank is a great example of how brilliant they are at pushing things along. I mean, the critics were divided on that movie, but that didn't mean that it was out of the game when it got shut out of all these critics. That's groups. true of a lot of things. I would say that... Um... Mank's issue is that it's for sophisticated cinephiles and all the craftspeople in the Academy are going to go for it. But I thought the actors were, were behind it as well. And they're not as nope. much as I thought. I mean, Oldman is. Oldman issue, but, sure. Yeah. That, which is. So I'm, que- I'm questioning Fincher even. I'm questioning screenplay for Mank. It, it, it isn't. It's more crafty. It's a pretty competitive year for an unpredictable Oscar season that's pushed into an unprecedented month for the event. You know, it just seems like a lot of categories are hard to call. I mean, Chicago 7 did pretty well, but, and No Man Land did fine. Actually, Chicago 7 is probably the strongest one of all of them. It got everything that it needed to get. I would say also the, the, um, and your 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 guy Sasha Baron Cohen is going to get in to supporting, and Leslie Odom is, is probably going to win supporting, and and you know, One Night in Miami is good to go uh, along with Chicago Seven and Ma Rainey, but um, there was some you know we'll see we'll see about um, and it's great that Bozeman got two you know that's pretty amazing two nominations yeah, I mean, from the SAGs. There's a lot of goodwill obviously behind that campaign, and it's hard to dispute it but I think and I hope that Paul Rocky still comes through on the academy side I also expect the academy to be better on the five bloods you they could rally behind rally I wonder also with the sound of metal if I mean yeah Paul Rocky but also um the other categories uh screenplay for example I mean is that happening that's a the screenplay for that movie is a really big reason why it works so well you know, Darius yeah Martin. you interviewed you interviewed the the director uh I don't I I don't see that happening but um Sound of Metal is very strong and I could get a best picture nomination along with Riz Ahmed who is the sure thing and Sound I think will register for Sound of Metal for sure very good, but innovative use of sound. Yeah, yeah. The sound, that which will be really cool is, is a lot of times to see sort of like Whiplash. Yeah. yeah, dominating there. Yeah, exactly. Whiplash did well there, so it should be fascinating to see how those conversations develop. Before we started recording, we were talking about this potential uh, sort of quiet zone and where it lies this award season, because usually it's like by now during Sundance, yeah, we nominations have, come out. We have nominations, and then it was just it'd just be sort of like dead for a little bit but that's at a different point in time so maybe the calendar's off. totally off you know yeah. let's talk through what, what happens is. now because there's a hodgepodge the short of lists are next so short lists are you know we'll know more about docs and foreign i think those will be the biggest sort of talking points also song and score 
which is important to some people. Uh, yeah. And, and all the little short categories and BFX and right. uh, hair and makeup. But, but for it's, the it's, time, it's fun. it means that Academy members go straight back into uh, trying to figure out what to prioritize and, and getting through the, the options on that streaming platform, which is just such a fascinating challenge this year. And I wonder if it means that, say, the Globes actually does have a bigger effect than usual because it's so easy to just be like, Oh, maybe I should watch this. Yes, that. no. And if you missed the the little things, you might want to check right. it out. Or promising young you know, woman would probably. That's doing very well. That. That's doing very well. The question there, I, a lot of people are behind that movie, and it's very popular. Um, my sense is it plays better younger than older, but it did well with with the with the Globes. So I'm curious. I mean, Carrie Mulligan is in. Um, but I'm curious how far Emerald Fennell goes uh, or, or how far the movie goes. I suspect it's just Carrie Mulligan. Even that would be a triumph for a movie that a year ago at Sundance didn't make a ton of noise. I mean, yes, it sold to Amazon, but it wasn't something a lot of people had seen. Focus. Focus. So, uh, focus, focus, excuse me. So that their ability to reintroduce that movie. The Father is another one that premiered at Sundance a year ago and seems to have sort of chugged along and, and remain visible enough to still be in the conversation. If it's not good. A, no, yeah. they're doing fine. They're doing fine with that. I think it'll be both Hopkins and, and Coleman. So next week, if you we, get both globe and sag, it's a good thing. Yeah. yeah I can't, it certainly and, doesn't hurt. <laughs> it's not it, a no, bad. no, no. Statistically. I mean, statistically, it, works it, it means that it, you're, you're in good shape. But um, but unfortunately, if you don't get a SAG Ensemble statistically, it is unlikely that you are going to win Best Picture. It was done by Shape of Water, and it was done by Braveheart in 1995. So no Madland is up against that statistic. But I think it's such an extraordinary anomalous year, and Nomad itself, Nomadland itself is an anomalous movie. So I don't think we should use statistics to take it away from the, uh, what is clearly still the front runner at the Oscars. I think it's it's in, it's notable with uh, Nomadland too that it's as an ensemble piece. It's harder to talk about because so much of that ensemble those, those aren't you know professional actors. You know it's different from say with Parasite got an ensemble and a lot of people didn't know who those actors were. But in this case, it was maybe maybe it's not thought of as an ensemble picture, but it's still the movie that. Effects. No, they would never give it ensemble because it's all those non-pros. It's only right. Francis, really. Right. And David so it's Francis plus no man. It's just not what they would do. It, it doesn't make sense. They gave it to her, and and that's just that's the reason it didn't get in. If there's a good reason, then I, I don't think it matters. I don't know if that's good, but it's a it's an understand the logic for a valid. Look, I don't yeah. even think it's I don't think it's a valid reason. I think all those non pros did a wonderful job, yeah. and they should have been uh, sophisticated yeah. enough to recognize that. But I see why they didn't right. do it. Exactly, exactly. So next week, where are we going to be at, and what 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 even what is the next big step? We, we said shortlists are coming, right? So the shortlists are on February the 9th, and that will be part of what we can talk about. Um, what else? That's that's the big news. That's pretty um, big, I think, because something's going to get snubbed and someone's going to be pissed. And th those conversations are, in some ways, I think, more val valuable than, say, what got snubbed at the Globes, because the Globes we know are not. The Globes really don't reflect anything. But uh, the other group that you want to get 
uh, nominated by if you want to get into the Oscars is the Critics' Choice Awards. I know oh you boy. may not take that very seriously, Eric, member of the New York film critics as you are, but in fact, they are more predictive than your group. Explain why. Because they're a bigger group. It's just they're a lot like of all over the country and they are less um, uh, highbrow. Fair enough. That would be well, the answer. Let's see what happens. I guess we'll try to rest up this weekend, maybe a little less going on, and uh, we'll see what <laughs> happens. <laughs> and I will see you soon enough. Get, get some sleep, Eric. I'm going to try. Right. You, I have to say, IndieWire did a great job covering Sundance. Yeah, it may be exhausting, but it's exhausting with the purpose. All right. Bye bye. bye.